0: Hello, and welcome to Mozart of Hoops, a podcast that takes a deep dive into the world of basketball, how we learn to appreciate its beauty, and understand the ebbs and flows of the game. My name is Ian Quinn, and I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Chris and Owen. Uh, Chris, how are you today?
1: I'm alright. Trying to stay cool this July, in the middle of the heat wave.
0: Yeah, it's been been quite hot um, over here in New York, but better than the cold winters. I will say that. So. Oh, and how about you? How how are you doing today?
2: I'm doing pretty great. Um unlike Chris, I'm always cool. That's not going to be changing. Oh, there, there you go.
0: <laughs> yeah. I will. Um You know what was cool? The Rudy Gobert trade. What did you guys think about that?
1: I liked it just from a uh at least it gives us something to talk about. Um and it is uh quite a thought experiment here i'm i'm not sure exactly how it will unfold but i'm really looking forward to seeing it
2: yeah as of now i kind of like it for both sides um definitely looks like you know uh danny ainge with the, the the fleece there but um i mean gobert still holds value so if like minnesota decides to part ways with him in like two years they can still get at least recoup some of that uh draft capital
1: yeah, I just like yeah. teams using double bigs. So, the more we see it, I just I hope it works out for everybody who does it, but I know it doesn't always, so.
0: And I think I think I got to see how it goes. Um I'm I'm they're definitely much m- must watch for me, but I definitely got to see how it goes, but I think if you're going to do double bigs, Cat is the guy you want to do it with because his spacing is so incredible. So, it's not like he's their bleeding value of spacing cat's still a pretty incredible spacer for what he's going to be playing at the four. So it will be interesting to see for sure. And then, uh, okay, but you know, also make Cat
2: we... a four. Is he really a four then? Or are there just two fives?
0: Well, I guess there's probably two fives, but cat's going to have to be yeah. guarding some fours. So it'll be interesting there's to see how that out works out. But I mean, the
1: Timberwolves yeah. did, you know, do some different things to scheme for, you know, to kind of, mitigate his some of his liabilities last year so I, I think if anybody can do it i mean they're definitely uh they'll definitely have some concepts that that may may that may make it work and
2: it may be really fun actually yeah that that's what i'm curious talking, uh, austin rivers austin rivers is the key <laughs>
1: <laughs> the Lynchpin,
2: yeah. The whole thing yeah
0: the minnesota nuggets i've been noticing uh tim connolly has been uh Making a splash since he uh, left Denver. So, um, uh, well, he needs then, to bring back I guess,
2: Tyler Lydon.
0: Yeah. Oh, my God. Tyler Lydon, Syracuse, uh, Syracuse player from a few years ago. Um, someone, uh, you know, there was <clears throat> a lot of talk about the DeAndre Ayton situation. What are your guys' thoughts on that?
1: I mean, I think Phoenix probably. Needs to uh, I don't know what alternatives they have I think they probably need to hold on to them if they can
2: yeah well that's really,
0: what that's yeah,
2: yeah When Indiana made the the offer I, you know Phoenix all they could do was match if they didn't match that's just supremely idiotic so well
0: Not they did match about there. seventeen minutes later they matched about seventeen yep. minutes later so uh, Aiden right is move. heading it is the right move and I honestly think that they were they had no interest in doing a sign and trade with indiana um, and i honestly think that at first i was like what the heck are they doing like what what is this why have they not offered him they were basically waiting for him to set his market value um and the fact that someone set it at what was a 4 years 133 million so they matched that and now they probably if they do decide to trade him they probably can get back a lot more than what Indiana could offer. Um, so it'll be interesting. I mean, really, to see I
2: it think t- it it was just hinging on the Kevin Durant stuff. So in the fact that it Nets was one really yeah. Um
0: Yeah. And that basically kind of took them out of the Kevin Durant race, at least for this off season. Um Not that I think Durant's going to get traded anymore, but we'll see. So why don't we... Dig into more of these passing bigs. Um, we're gonna try to get through the 80s. There's there's not too many from the 80s. Um, and then we're gonna try to get in, up into the 90s. So, let's break it down. What is what are your guys' thoughts on Jeff Ruland?
1: Well, I know you have a lot of thoughts on Jeff roland because you you did some film study. I think probably for the was, was that your initial exposure to Jeff Ruland probably. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He's a he's a fun kind of player. <laughs> um he had a really short window where he was very good due to injuries unfortunately. So he was just a a really thick big guy. Um he was very comfortable with the ball in his hands. I think he wanted to do a little bit too much a lot of the time um but you know he had a lot of he, good creativity um you know not much of a vertical guy and like a lot of the other big man passers we've talked about you know those those big men who are not you know, they're they're a little bit vertically challenged as far as that goes um those guys tend to be better passers so i think he just you know, leveraged a lot of his, uh, superior, you know, his, his muscle and ability to get good position with his, uh, you know, vision and creativity to, to get some good looks for guys, but he still wanted to score first, I think.
0: Yeah. Um, he was definitely, he was actually really a dominant post score to me. Um, he was hard to stop. He was very strong. Um, but to your point about him trying to do a little too much, yeah, I saw that a bit from him he uh he sometimes would like to take that ball and book it down the court, and he didn't exactly have the tightest handle I've seen of anybody um nope. but uh he definitely was like a good passer um you know he he was um he had a lot of turnovers um but I also wonder if if he if that has to do anything with offensive fouls or if it's if it's mainly just he's a he can make some
2: bad reads, which I saw both. Well, I mean what he kinda did, yeah, definitely bad reads in in the sense that he like he passed a lot. He, when he had the ball, he was almost like pass hunting. Um and he worked as the offensive hub. Um mm-hmm. so I mean you try to get get the assists and you know throw it to the open guy, but without average he kind of lacked the vision of like I pointed out in the past episode about Kareem who seemed to be impatient and almost pass, you know, too soon with Jeff Ruland, he would sometimes pass too late or in the sense that he doesn't see, I guess what the defender sees. So he tried to pass it to the open man, which would lead to the defender, you know, having already seen what motion he's going to be doing and just cut off the pass. Um, but like you also brought up, and he did have some offensive foul troubles, um, didn't, like, just run through guys, but he was just so big, you just, like, back him over. Well, um, oh,
1: and he's a dirty player. I mean, there's no two oh, yeah. ways about it. Like, <laughs> yeah. he, uh, that's a renowned <laughs> reputational thing for him. Like, I, you know, so I think, yeah, he did a lot of, you know, just bashing people and, and running them over, for sure.
2: Yeah. Hard picks. Yep, yep. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, really, just about Roland, I, I don't think his passing was all that, Crazy. I mean it's it's good, but just he had such high volume with the passes he was creating as the offensive hub. He was almost working again in that like the wilt role, just like controlling the offense. And he he's not at that level.
1: Right. And unfortunately for them, I mean they're you know, the team was in a position where that's what they were relying on. Not that, you know, yeah. I mean you could have done worse, I guess, in nineteen eighty four, but um but you know i mean you're still going to be a bit limited if if that's where all your offense is coming from yeah
0: yeah um he he to me like <clears throat> yeah he seemed to be a pass hunter i i like the way you put that it seemed like he kind of also would just like even if he shouldn't pass he would um like and i also think that there were times he did struggle with being double-teamed, um, and I think the color analyst from that game, Kevin Lawfrey, said that. Um, let me say, Yeah, he did. He said, uh, that is one problem Ruland has. He leads the league in turnovers, and sometimes because of the pressure of the double and triple, meaning the team, um, it's difficult for him to make the first easy pass, and he commits a lot of turnovers that was definitely something I saw um, where it seemed like
2: control very often. So if he was double teamed and kind of forced to put the ball on the floor and make a move, like he would lose control. It it was, it was tough for him. Yeah. Yeah. What I've read specifically. So that kind of separates. Yeah, is that his hands, that's somewhat related
1: to his hand size, maybe, that, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, some yeah, of the guys yeah. who, can, who can palm the ball and wave it around a little bit and control it really easily, like Kareem Ocon, yep, yep, or or you know, a lot of these guys, we're going to talk about Wilt, um, you know, those guys can, you know, you have a big advantage if you can, you know, hold the ball with one hand and keep it away from everybody, and Ruland, I think, you know, it was a lot easier to slap it out of his hands.
0: Yeah, and Roland too like you could also see sometimes like defenders could read him like a book pretty much like he was you could see where he was going to make the pass and defenders would just easily jump lanes and steal the pass from him. They did it a lot in one game I watched. Um I think ML Carr was kind of haunting him a little bit all game, but yeah, I mean, I was a little bit less impressed with his passing than I thought it was going to be and more impressed with just his overall scoring game. I thought it was really, really strong. Um, And I think Owen made the comp um, in DMs one time about how Ruland's pretty much kind of like the Marcus cousins. And after watching this game, I, (laughs) I I actually see that a lot more. Um, Boogie makes a lot of um, questionable decisions um, and is also pretty dominant in the low post in, in in his prime but yeah that's kind of what i thought about jeff roland um he's not anything crazy but he did make some good passes he also made some bad passes but he was he was a cool player regardless watching him yep Who's and in especially and, and and well even i just wanted to mention one thing like is there a more tenacious duo down low than <laughs> roland and rick mahorn my god <laughs> they were yeah. they were going at guys all the time, man.
1: Yeah, that's pretty terrifying. They would never survive in this era.
0: No, 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 they re- they really wouldn't. Um so who do
2: who do you think was maybe tougher or dirtier, Jeff Rowland or Bill Lambier?
0: Uh I think Bill Lambier was more outwardly dirty. <laughs>
1: uh, I don't know about that. I think I think Bill Beer has some very you know, key moments, um, just because of all, you know, he would, they had a lot of exposure in the playoffs where the stakes were much higher, like, in yeah. you know, Jeff Ruin's career is much shorter, so, you know, and his teams were not very good, there's like one playoff series you can go out there and watch, so, um... You know, probably just from that standpoint, I guess. I mean, it looks like it's probably lame beer, but I think, to be honest with you, just, I don't know. My impression is that it really, it, it might be Ruland.
0: Mm. Okay. Interesting. Ruland to me seemed kind of sneaky dirty to me. Yeah.
1: Not... Yeah. But I think, like, I think it's, yeah, it may be, I think it's still an, enough of a known quantity that, yeah. um, I think yeah, he got Roland, I right think right is right. definitely
2: yeah. He is. I think a bit sneakier than Lampier. Lampier. It's just very clear what he's doing. So with Roland, just kind of like knocking somebody over with his ass. It isn't as apparent. But like when I think sneaky dirty, I think John Stockton. That that's sneaky dirty. That that's oh, like, okay. you don't notice that shit at all. But he is dirty as fuck.
0: <laughs>
2: dirty Alrighty, A-F. All right. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Um.
0: So so next probably on the list too. he's pretty
2: good. <laughs> <laughs> he's an 80s passer. Yeah, yeah.
0: He passes on a lot of things. Um anyways, uh the next up I wanted to mention quickly, and I think we can actually you know what, we can pair these two together because we already was ha- we were having this debate before we started recording. Let's talk a little bit about Horace Grant and Brad Doherty. Um Oh, uh, Chris, did you want to start, uh, talking about Doherty a little bit? You you seem pretty impassioned about his passing. Well, (laughs) no, I mean, yeah,
1: I think Brad Doherty is a great passer for a big guy. Um, but there's, I mean, obviously there's differences between those guys because you know Horace was a power forward and Brad Doherty is you know a traditional center. Um, Doherty was doing. Well, I don't know. Yeah, maybe that's not fair to say he's doing more out of the post than Horace Grant because that's where Horace was, you know, that's where his bread and butter was. But but Doherty was, I think, the superior post passer um, as far as, you know, Doherty was way more likely to draw a double. And he just had that kind of uncanny ability he, he had very good vision very nice touch for a big guy um where i think horace is more just a very fundamental player across the board i think horace does you know i think he covers all the bases at an above average level probably maybe not all of them there's probably some things that you know he he's got some opportunities to, but um but that's the probably the biggest difference to me, like I think Horace is just a very solid player. I think Doherty actually has like kind of a a unique uh passing ability for a big guy. He definitely seems like the more special passer to me anyway.
2: I'll I let, think he's I'll the more, that. yeah I am maybe not counter, but he's the more dynamic passer for sure. um Horace Grant is just one of those guys who kinda of just you know fit in in general, so like with the bulls, he's there, you pass him the ball. He's going to hold it for a second, Jordan will cut to the basket, Grant will make the right pass. Grant is just someone who's there to make the right pass every time. Brad Daugherty was actually creating with his passes, so there is a a big difference there. Horace Grant could keep the defense honest because he had a really good jumper, but he really wasn't kind of pulling the defense toward him, so a lot of his passes were more reactionary or just quick fill-in-the-blank. And I think one thing I would but, but he's, he's toward the top in terms of players who do that horse grant is definitely toward the top of players that actually make an impact with that.
1: That's fair. I don't disagree with that. Um I will say there's one there's another thing that separates those two guys to me. And and I think this is a distinction that we'll see with some, you know, as the list goes on uh, in this episode. Anyway, is guys who can pass on the move versus guys who are just stationary yeah. passers, and because I think Horace, you know, could move a little bit more and do, you know, yeah, do a little bit with his passing there, especially off the rebound and yeah, you know push, yeah, you know, sure. taking a dribble or two, uh, and then outlet pass up. Um, Brad Doherty is just, you know, very solid half court. Uh, Back to the basket, or you could use him passing at the top of the key. Um, he made excellent reads uh, from both places. Um, you know, he was really good at kind of, you know, like a lot of these big guys, Brad Darty kind of hold the ball up high and then kind of, you yeah. know, just throw darts downward. Um, really
2: good shovel passes that he'd hit the Nance. That's yeah. What i love like watch.
1: Yeah, those Cavs teams were fun. I mean, they had a lot of yeah. good passers on there uh, on those yeah. teams. So,
2: just, yeah, since we just brought him up, he's somebody who I'd like to compare to Horace as a Larry Nance. What What are your thoughts yeah. on that, Chris?
1: I completely agree with that as a good comp. Um, you know, it's, Nance a little bit more of a, a mobile, dynamic guy, even than than any of those guys that we talked about so far. Um, I guess probably of anybody that we talked about so far, maybe Connie's the most like Nance just because. Yeah, his... exactly.
2: I was thinking that the fact that they would they yeah. could just like drive to the basket and you miss just get into the air and then almost like hook the mm-hmm. pass around the defender. So that's something yeah. Nance would used his length to his advantage, just like Connie Hawkins. Good. Yeah, yeah.
0: Nance, Nance has insane arms, man. Like he's just waving the ball around. He's got a way up and I, I can totally see the Connie comp because like,
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, he's, he's just super lengthy. Um, yeah and uh, i mean as far as doherty versus grant grant yeah i feel like grant was he was he was a good passer but he was certainly benefit from you know having playing with one of the best players of all time um in jordan he also had pippen of course but i mean not everybody can make Grant's, grant's
2: grant's great passing and uh yeah, well, I guess we'll call it passing rates. Really translated to every team he went to. Now that also means he played with Shaq and Kobe and mm-hmm. Jean, so it, it's 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 yeah, it's hard to really tell. But, but his passing always fit well, in with with different types of stars that's
1: the bit i think that's the key there i mean you know that's the thing i mean he just you were able to use him in a way where in a very predictable you know way he was going to make good decisions he was going to leave a little bit of space for your guys who can get into the lane and he's going to be able to do some work down in the post as well and he's going to be able to make smart passes so i mean you have to be able to do that in the triangle um and then you know by extension i mean it's not too dissimilar from the stuff the magic we're doing too um if you watch those two offenses so there there're definitely some a lot of similarities in the way they move their pieces around,
0: yeah, and I do agree that Doherty was probably the better creator um <clears throat> you yeah, know just so, a lot of a lot of his passes were <clears throat> um from different areas on the court um you know he also had the scoring threat um more so than um grant really did um so. You know, I, I Doherty's somebody that I'd probably have higher up, kind of like Cowan's, someone I'd have higher up on the playmakers list. Um, so, you know, both are pretty great passers, but I feel like Doherty is somebody who benefits from the playmaking more so than just his passing.
1: So what about, I guess, along those lines then, like there are a whole lot of other guys who... I kind of started coming in. Okay, so let's I guess Hakim is the first one that I can think uh, of. Yeah,
2: I was wondering when we were going to get to Hakim. <laughs> so
1: okay, so go ahead.
2: Oh,
0: I, I want to hear your thoughts on it.
2: Yeah, yeah. Let's let's talk about that.
0: You want to hear my thoughts on Hakim's passing?
2: Yes, especially since we'd brought up Dardi like use that as kind of just your your uh, your guide for this.
0: I think, and I'm going to make a comparison because it's probably the easiest to this, to this era. Let's, let's think about Joel Embiid for a second. Um, this past season, he definitely became a better passer. His, his reads got better. He learned how to pass out of doubles. That's kind of how I feel about Hakeem, um, in his prime. um, Hakim wasn't the greatest passer when he came into the league, but over time he was able to develop into a good passer. Like he he made good reads. Not anything advanced, but it was enough where he could abuse a double team. Right. Um that's kind of how I view it. Um I uh I don't really have much else to say. Um I know that the Embiid Alawon comparisons are fruitful (laughs) across the internet, but that's kind of the best way I can think of it because they're both kind of like dominant, you know, scorers Mm -hmm. um, with pretty incredible footwork and, you know, both kind of developed this passing ability um, as they got older and they learned kind of how to um, manipulate double teams.
1: So let's stay with that archetype maybe. And so, you know, when Hakeem came in, Um, it kind of tipped off, you know, the beginning of, uh, a batch of, like, really good post-centers. So, you know, shortly behind was Patrick Ewing. Um, well, no, actually Ewing was technically there first, but not in the NBA. Um, then David Robinson was also there. Doherty was, you know, in the mix around that same time. Uh, A little bit later, we've got Shaq coming along, um... Vladdy comes over from Europe, and he's some totally different, entirely. Um, but you know, there's just those those you know post centric scorers um, who are drawing double teams, and it just seemed like learning to read doubles and kick out from that really hit a new level. You know, kind of late eighties, early nineties.
0: Yeah, and I think uh I don't know if you mentioned Carl Malone in there either. Carl no, learned I how to Yeah, Carl's someone who um as he got older was making actually a lot of advanced reads. Um but uh yeah, he was he learned how to kind of um abuse those double teams. Um but yeah, this the this is kind of like a separate archetype in a way, where these guys have uh pretty crazy gravity because they're so dominant down low and it's hard to it's hard to stop them so they double team them especially someone like Shaq, who we'll get into in a little bit um you know these guys are their their score first but they learned how to pass out of these double teams and that opened up their offense like substantially more um so, yeah, I, I agree. Um,
1: so but before the we thing get right like, here, like, look, so just to clarify, like, I'm not saying all these guys are the same um, or that their passing ability is the same. It's just, you know, it's the archetype of player, because I know I threw Patrick Ewing in there and people probably, you know, really losing their uh, minds over the fact that he got brought up in the Passing Bigs episode, because I don't think he's a particularly notable passer, but just... Um, you know but he did learn you know all these guys really did learn to varying degrees how to work a double team uh you know somewhat effectively at least so um it's worth mentioning to me
0: yeah and like also we're not saying that they're not good passers cuz a lot of these guys actually are pretty darn good passers i actually think Shaq's a great passer um but they they had to develop it over time and they used it as another threat to their offensive game um so, yeah, that's kind of how I feel about it. um owen, do you, do you have any thoughts on this? More of another
2: question um Elijoana Robinson asking wise yes,
0: Robinson
1: I think Robinson, so here's the difference to me is like i think elijah i and i may rethink this but i to me the way it sits in my mind right now anyway is that elijah Wan is probably better to me working a double team than david robinson is just because he's better with his back to the basket as a post threat anyway and you know david robinson was better facing up a little bit, and to me, David Robinson is the better passer on the move. Um, like some of these other guys, you know, I talked about that distinction between guys who are, you know, stationary passers or passing on the move. I think David Robinson, m- you know, moving toward the basket with a ball in his hand is a way better passer than Elijah Wan was. But I think Elijah Wan probably better with his back to the basket passing out to me.
0: See, I don't think I agree with that. I think I think Robinson is probably better in that area, too. I think that Olajuwon, he's not, like, making incredible passes to me. He seems like he can get a bit flustered at times, whereas Robinson, to me, actually seems like he's pretty smooth with his passing. He's actually... He works in the high post. He works down low. He's He seems to be, like, relatively creative. Um, so, to me, I probably... That's, I, I actually don't think it's particularly close. I think Robinson's like a significantly better passer than
2: Hakeem is. But. I think Robinson is definitely better as almost like a touch passer in this sense that you're, you're passing him the ball as he's on the move to the basket, and he will make the quick read to, to someone else at, at the right time as opposed to just going for the shot. Elijahwan who was mostly down in the post, I definitely prefer his passing out of double teams he is able if he's not able to get his shot which is obviously his first priority he's still able to make the correct pass at a higher rate than david robinson does yeah and i
1: think david robinson the only thing about i I think he is very effective as a passer facing the basket but the fact that he does that big guys are always a little bit susceptible and this may have been a little bit more of a 90s thing than it would be you know if you were in the NBA today but um, you know it was always a risky proposition for a big guy like that to be putting the ball on the floor um, you know it, it, under beneath the three-point line because there was a good chance somebody else was down there or two or three guys who are going to be slapping at it and trying to knock it away so I think it was um, yeah, I think he has the better ability but it wasn't... I don't think it was always safer, necessarily.
2: I think there's just a, a vast difference between Elijah Wan's passing game early in his career and then later. Um, For sure. So like during in, his championship years, like you could see, like his creation was, was apparent. He was making creative passes. He was making the right passes. Yes, he had a team that was basically built around him, but it clearly worked with his passing.
1: I, I think all the big guys, like most of your the elite post-centers go through that evolution. Like, almost all of them. Like, Wilt went through it. Kareem went through it. Uh, Shaq goes through it. Um, like we talked about, you know, Hakeem is going through it. Like, I think, you know, Ewing got better at it because he was not very good at it at all early on. Um, Moses Malone never learned how to do it really, but he's probably <laughs> one of the rare guys. So, um, you know, most, a lot of them do figure it out. Like, you know, after, I don't it, I don't know if there's an average number of years it takes before they kind of start to, you know, it clicks with them. But, I mean, I remember when it happened for Shaq. Like, you know, Shaq was always a pretty good passer. But, like, I, when he started really learning how to, like, read doubles and, and be patient and wait for guys before he passed out. Like it, 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 things changed a lot for him after that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so is there anybody else that you think that fits in that mold that we didn't mention? Like, I think we mentioned Robinson, Shaq, Hakeem, Malone, uh, Doherty, to an extent. Um, is there anybody else from that era that you feel developed that over time.
2: I mean, not, I mean,
1: I think those are most of the, the main, you know, sc- you know, score first. Guys. I mean, yeah.
2: Yeah. From that era in terms of like the, the centers that were actually like superstar scorers. Yeah. We, those were pretty much touched on. Right.
1: Now there are definitely some other big guys who were good passers at the time. Maybe, maybe the, uh, the Euro guys are the next, uh, uh, the
0: next. Yeah. Guy. That's that's what I kinda wanted to dig into because there's actually not that many passers from the eighties. I found that out pretty much. It seemed like sixties, seventies had a lot of good passers and then eighties kind of feels like it fizzled out for the passing bigs. Nineties, I think, have two of the top three passers like ever for passing bigs. Um so why don't we why don't yeah, we well, spend before, a little bit of time? We
2: jump into the nineties if you don't mind. So there is another top score. Actually a couple of them since we didn't touch on one of them. Um I'm assuming we're just not going to talk about Charles Barkley. He's just out of bounds right now, which is fine. But <laughs> we can talk is, about Chuck if you want. It's a very slippery slope because yeah, exactly. there's another guy we
1: passed well and potentially two that we we then passed up as well.
2: Yeah, and the other guy I was going to bring up is uh, Kevin McHale, who definitely qualifies. But Oh, okay. All right. Guy. Yes. Okay.
0: Okay, okay, let's let's talk about Macal for a second because <laughs> his nickname is the black hole, and I feel like that just it doesn't it's, do him.
1: It's not um, fair. I've never been able to No. I've never understood that. I, I don't he is Go ahead I uh, just it's people who that narrative is driven by the metrics mostly. It has to be because if you actually watch him play, like there's nothing about him that suggests that he's an unwilling passer. He just is a very, very good post scorer and that was his job. I mean, was to finish around the basket
2: right. that's what he yeah. was supposed to do. But I mean but he's it, a play it stems, finisher. it stems from a quote from I think Cedric Maxwell saying you know you pass him the ball inside and it's not going to be coming back out, but that's not a bad thing.
1: Well, and it wasn't necessarily even true. I mean, in general, probably, but it's like if you watch enough of the Celtics basketball, like, dude, those guys, Kevin McHale makes some very nice reads or unexpected, you know, slick little passes, especially, you know, when they have numbers. Like, he's, I think he's really good at, you know, running two-on-ones or three-on-twos and stuff like that. Like, he's, I don't know, He's. he seems to make really good, quick decisions like that. It, I mean, it does help he that he was, had he some was...
2: perimeter-oriented players and players that could really cut to the basket. It's, Mikhail was very post-centric. I know he liked to take a lot of jumpers. I know that's something that's talked about in these these random ATD communities that are talked about. Those are called all-time drafts, everyone. Um, but his passing out of the post really became valuable. I mean, everybody talks about his footwork, his post moves, his ability to just score at will. But his passing out of there is clearly something that is not noticed anymore. Well, and it
1: must just be because Dennis Johnson wasn't, you know, shooting threes when he's kicking it out, I guess. Yeah. I guess. He just, to me, like
0: he, he, he's, he's his main thing. He was a play finisher. Um, he, he was incredibly efficient with what he did down there. It's, it wasn't really his job to pass. They had a a, a ton of passers. They had a, top 3 passer ever in bird you know they they had Dennis Johnson who was a very good passer and
2: he so he didn't really passer,
0: yeah that he didn't need to pass that doesn't mean that he couldn't pass he was very capable of making a very good read when he needed to his job was to score he was a great scorer that that's his whole thing um so it is kind of infuriating to see how he's kind of grouped in with like you know Moses Malone and um, Alonzo Morning and Dwight Howard, all those guys who Ewing really aren't good passers. Ewing, um, you know, okay, to be fair, we've talked about no, this I, before. I don't think Ewing belongs I, I, in that group. I, I don't even but,
1: but yes, they they bring him up in the same company. But yeah, I think Ewing and Mikhail yeah. are, are unfairly maligned in that way.
0: And oh someone like Kemp too, probably is not the great he makes pretty terrible reads. It's not like Mikhail wasn't making good reads, he was. Yes. He just didn't need to pass as often. That doesn't make him inherently a black hole like Moses or um, Alonzo or Dwight who really can't throw passes like that. Um, So it it is kind of like, (laughs) it's a bit frustrating when they're just kind of randomly grouped in. And you, if you actually watch the film and break it down a little bit further, Mikael's pretty good. He's kind of in a similar vein to um, LaMarcus Aldridge to me um, where Aldridge is a willing passer. He's able to make passes, but his main game is down in the post. He was dominant in the post in the mid-range. So it's kind of similar to me in that sense. Aldridge, Aldridge was able to make a lot of good reads. I am very sorry. My microphone cut out mid-sentence in the middle of my McHale-Aldridge comparison. In essence, I was saying guys like Kevin McHale and LaMarcus Aldridge should not be considered bad passers or black holes as they sometimes are called because they do have legit passing chops and make good reads. Um, with guys like Moses Malone, Alonzo Mourning, Sean Kemp, Dwight Howard, they don't have either of those things, and they should be considered black holes. Um, because when the ball goes in, you really they really don't pass it out. Uh, I am, again, uh, very sorry about the microphone cutting out, and you will hear Chris and Owen mention my disappearance uh, after this little spiel here. And, again, thank you for listening,
2: as always. But I did have a few questions for you, and uh, hopefully it pops back. Uh, Bird, top three passer. I'm Not sure what to think about that.
0: Am I here? There he is. Did I cut out or something? Yeah, I lost you, you know. for a minute
2: there, like a black hole. Oh, great, I like did. a black hole. Uh.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, I think Bird's a top three passer.
2: <clears throat> Who are your top three? I know, oh, I I know this is detracting. Give me your top three.
0: Um, Magic, Bird. And I'll go Nash for now.
2: Oh, man, no Jokic, huh?
1: I, I probably not don't. yet. I probably have Jokic above for now,
2: but this is—we'll get
1: to this. Yeah, this will be a whole bigger conversation. Yes, yes.
0: Jokic will probably get his own episode because <laughs> he's just—he's way above, you know, everybody, <clears throat> everybody else. So, yeah, but, but
2: either way, two of those three yeah. guys you talked about, uh, I like—we've talked about before. They're pretty damn big. Why are we not talking about Magic and Bird? These guys, the best passers of all time. The 80s didn't predict, come on. These guys, they, they weren't some pretty damn good big. Ba-
0: moving on, moving on, because um, I don't want to get into this again. Um, I wanted to talk about the two European 10. bigs. I don't want to spoil my list, but I'll probably have them in my top three. Um, let's talk about Arvidas Sabonis and Vladi Divac. What are your guys' thoughts on those two guys?
1: Which one do we want to start with? Um, I mean, I why think... don't you start with Vlade? Okay. Um, okay. Well, Vlade always, for some reason, I don't know why. I mean, Vlade was a you know always had some some post ability to score, but teams always wanted to run doubles at him, and he would just, man, even I mean, for the Lakers, he would just pick people apart. So, um, but this on, was,
0: this was, go ahead. yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I, I'm, I, I, have something to say on this, but I'll, yeah. I'll hold off.
1: Just well, to and, continue. But surprisingly young Vladi was actually pretty athletic too, for, for as big as he was. So, um, you know, you'd see him do some, some acrobatic, you know, stuff leaving the ground and, and making some aerial passes on occasion and stuff like that for the Lakers, but um, he always seemed to have superior vision. Um, both of these guys did. Um, you know, Vladi, as he aged, um, became a little bit less mobile and, you know, was a lot more just throwing darts, you um, but, you know, very, very – he could make any pass with his back to the basket that there is. Um, seemed like he'd see things over his shoulders and very good on kickouts. Like I said, I mean, he's – you know, he doesn't have the scoring gravity that those other guys that we just talked about do, but still really, really expert at working double teams and, and hitting the right guy off off those.
0: Okay, so here's here's where I'm going to come in, because I watched a full series of Vlade against the Sonics in 95, which I think we consider to be peak Vlade. Man, why are they running double teams at him? <laughs> He's going to find the open guy every time. And it was like George Carl was hellbent on double teaming Vlade. And he doesn't have that scoring gravity like these other guys do, like we mentioned. I don't understand why they're double teaming him. They're leaving actual shooters open. and Honestly, it's part of the reason I think they lost that series. I was I was confounded, to say the least. Yeah, you probably. I don't probably know
1: what aren't. you guys think. I mean, I think the same thing when people double Jokic all the time. I mean, it's a little harder to not yeah. do that because he will totally roast you uh, in, you know, post scoring. But, you know, and it's not like, like I said, I mean, Vladi was still a, a capable, you know, scorer. So. I don't know why they would, I don't, yeah, it seems just like an odd strategy, but eh.
0: it, it's a very odd strategy because, you know, you, you're looking at who the Lakers had at that time. You know, they had Sabalos who was capable of hitting an outside shot. They have Van Exel, Anthony Peeler. Um, It just was kind of flabbergasting to me to say the least, because it just an Vlade's a really moment.
2: smart passer they just tried to rattle bots. that was the point is just you know, if you, you can get into his head that he's not able to get a shot off if we can crowd his passing lanes then he's not going to be able to succeed they just it was just but very I still bad still yes that's so,
0: very bad scouting considering the fact that he's so smart you know iq wise passing wise he's gonna make those passes every time yeah. he was making some you know it's not like Vlade's making insane passes. He's just making really great reads. And you're like, wow, okay, that was a that was a great pass. Um, whereas the guy we'll talk about next, Arvita Sabonis, he had those reads, but he also had a little bit of flair, um, which is why I, I really like Arvita Sabonis' passing. But yeah, I was just really um, confused by the decision to just routinely double-team Vlade when that's just... That's the type of odd defense he abuses the most. So, yeah, that was kind of how I felt. Um,
2: I agree. I
0: love watching Vlade play. Um, I don't like Vlade as a general manager, um, but I do like Vlade the player. He's 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 quite the player. Um, Probably another one of those guys. Another one of those guys who is pretty underrated um, when we talk about him um, in a historical sense. Um, and yes, he is the King of flop. <laughs> he, uh, he kind of popularized it. I felt, um, yes, without but question. yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No
0: doubt. Um,
1: I think honestly, what uh, probably translates incredibly well to the modern game. I think he's probably he a little bit ahead have. of his time. Cause especially if he came up now, he'd be, sh- he, he would have grown up shooting from distance more.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I also watched Vlade uh when he was uh when I we were doing the Drazen study. Um, you know, and this was when he was over in Europe and him uh him Kukoc, um and Drazen were kind of like the big three for Yugoslavia man, like just the passes they were throwing to each other it was beautiful, it was beautiful basketball. No defense, but the offense was amazing. <laughs>
1: Um sounds about right.
0: So yeah. yeah. Um so somebody the next the next guy oh, yeah. we should talk
2: about here is Arvita Arvidas Sabonis. Well I didn't give my um, thoughts on Dvots yet, but that's okay. Because well, I, okay. I, I want to hear about you know. Sabonis first because it would make more sense afterward.
0: So who wants to start on Sabonis? I just talked a lot about Dvots. Chris, why don't you why don't you take Sabonis All for right. a little bit here?
1: Well, I mean Arvidas can make every pass for a center so he seems you could he makes every pat uh you know he knows how to make the lob uh he delivers perfect bounce passes from almost any angle it's quite spectacular actually how he pulled off some of those crazy passes i mean i almost think there are certain passes that i think Overall, Jokic is a better passer than Arvidas, but I think there are certain passes that I've seen Arvidas make that I I don't yeah. know if I've seen Jokic There's make the, the same straight, kind of
2: passes. No, like Sabonis, those straight bullet passes, like from the three-point line to a cutter, like those are crazy. I love Los Yeah,
1: cra- just crazy reads. I mean, yeah, he, I, I don't know. I just was, it, I was impressed, you know, with him the most. It just seemed like, you know, we didn't get to see enough of him, obviously, but if we had gotten, you know, peak Arvitas, um he would probably be talked about a lot more, like it, the way we talk about Jokic now.
0: Yeah, I I totally agree. <laughs> Arvitas is just like a crazy passer to me, man. Like, there was one play where he got the ball in the post and he knew, like, he knew that Rashid Wallace was like right behind him. And he threw like, it was like he was a center in football and he just hiked the ball and got it right to Rasheed Wallace for the dunk. I was like, what the, like, how, how did he make that pass, man? Um, and yeah, so bonus to me is actually the proto Jokic. Um, I know we've talked about Alvin Adams before. Um, he's been talked about as proto Jokic and I can kind of see it. So bonus to me is the proto Jokic. I know that there's a lot of people that, you know, Jokic is in his own class. He is. He's he's a great passer. I love Jokic. He's one of the best players in the NBA. But I feel like you have to mention Arvidas Sabonis if you're going to talk about Jokic. Because Sabonis is doing a lot of the same stuff um, and is making advanced reads. His delivery isn't always the best. He can be kind of inconsistent, but he is like doing some crazy stuff just like random behind the back passes like to start a fast break um i think uh owen mentioned the uh bullet passes from the top of the key like just just some incredible stuff from arvidas
1: yeah i'm glad you mentioned the behind the back passing like he just yeah he's he's got more highlight passes than Probably everybody. Yeah, anyone we've him. talked
2: about by far. yeah, yes. Yeah. Like I mean, he was passing between his legs. The seven foot three, three hundred pound guy. He's bringing the ball yeah. up to court and he Just passes it behind himself through the legs. Like, like that's crazy.
1: Yeah. On the money too. It just unbelievably accurate. It's yeah. Yeah. He's a. It's it's. Yeah. I don't know what else to say. It's, I mean, like uh, like Kareem. Easy.
2: Like Kareem, his height definitely helped. But he clearly had just much more flair and both the patience, but also just the the balls to just throw these insane passes and just expect his teammates to get him.
0: Like... Yeah, yeah. I think the only other person that kind of meets the criteria of flash Flash um, is actually Wilt. Wilt is probably the closest to me in terms of, like, I mean, Wilt was trying some crazy stuff, too, you know. Um, but Sabonis is just, like, another tear to me, man. Like, he has eyes in the back of his head, like, similar to Jokic. Like, Jokic will just be, like, out on the, you know, perimeter and just fling this pass behind his, you know, behind his shoulder. And it's like, man, like, how <laughs> how do you do this? And that's just kind of what I see with Sabonis, which is why I'm probably going to end up having Sabonis, like, number two for passing bigs. He's he's incredible to me.
2: He's, he really is. He's, he's insane to watch. And the fact that he was able to do this while not getting the respect for his scoring that he would have in the past. Um, So he he did draw double teams, but nothing like you would have expected if he was immediately coming over from Russia. Um, So just getting those types of looks and hitting those passes shows just uh, that he's a tier above almost every other center. Except for Divots. I... I know you said that Sabonis is the the proto-Jokic and, and maybe the most similar to Jokic. I out of everyone we've talked about, I lean closer to saying Divots fits that mold. Well that's I would answer. I would say that, that I mean
0: any answer is fine. Like I think I think Sabonis, Divots, they're they're pretty close. Um to me it's just the creativity. Um
2: what? Yeah. is what makes I him see me call that, like uh for me like Jokic is someone who just commands the offense he runs the offense the offense is Jokic. divots mm-hmm. as far as passing in terms of playmaking and what we we've seen in the nba divots is someone who can run the offense the offense can be completely run through him is more that the more caveat, so than supporters you know, I, I think that's in. i think On that's a he doesn't yes but also i mean before Sabonis came to the NBA, his passing game was not nearly as crisp as it was refined as when he yeah. came to the NBA. So there's a, a big distinction between pre-NBA Sabonis and NBA Sabonis in that regard. I think he definitely did yeah. pick it up another level in the NBA, but
1: but that was always the book on him that he was a good, you know, that he was a unicorn because he was this, you know, seven foot three, whatever. You know, big guy who actually, you know, would throw those passes like a like a point guard.
0: Yeah, but I but, I, I feel I, like Sabonis.
1: I know he is... definitely got better at it, but he had that rep early yes, on.
2: But Yes, his passing is great. His passing is it's far crazier than what you see with Divots, But Ivats's passing just feels so much more accurate. Is that the word? was always hitting in the <laughs> right spots all the time. His movement passing was better than Sabonis's. I, I just feel when I watch Divac's... right on the movement passing. Yeah. When, when I watch yeah, it, I, it reminds I, me more of Jokic and the fact that the offense running through Divac's feels far more stable than actually it was with Sabonis.
0: So you don't think that Sabonis could
2: run an offense? Oh no, he could run an offense. I just think Divac's is better at it.
0: Was he not doing that with Portland in a way when he was there?
2: In a way, that was still a very egalitarian offense. Um, Yeah, they were getting
1: much smaller doses
2: too. It's just what I watch, even in, like, I know you said you watched the the Devot series against the Lakers. Devot's was, I mean, that was his offense. Even playing next to another passing big we're going to be talking about, that was Devot's offense.
0: It was Devontae's offense, and it's actually something I wanted to mention. And I feel like because I was I was watching that series originally to see how uh you know plus nine R SRS team in the Sonics, who you know by all accounts was by that metric was the best team in the NBA, even though their record didn't really show that. How they just kind of collapsed in the postseason, and one of the answers I had was one Shrimp was off, and two. I don't think there was anybody close to the off as Vladdy Divac. They didn't have anybody like that on the Sonics. Um, and, you know, closest was probably shrimp for Peyton to me, but Divac was just kind of controlling the game. Um, it helped that Nick Van Axel was, you know, <laughs> hitting everything to be quite honest. Um, but, yeah, I you mean, it was everything
2: was bad. pretty much... You were down bad if Nick Van Exel's killing you. Sorry, Nick, but man. That's
1: probably true. Or it was like his... You know, I mean, he, <laughs>
0: it's not like they were playing bad defense against Nick Van Exel, but <laughs> he was hitting some crazy stuff that yeah. I don't think he was making all the time.
1: Well, and all that tracks with what Owen was saying as far as him, you know, just running the offense and commanding things. I mean, I guess he always was that guy and teams did a pretty good job of, you know, putting the the pieces around him that would actually, you know, be able to finish and, and turn that into productivity. So, and there's a reason why he was, you know, sufficient trade capital to, to acquire Kobe Bryant. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, uh, Vlade uh, ended up on my uh, Sacramento Kings that got brutally robbed in 2002. And while we're on the topic of 2002, let's talk about Chris Weber Because Weber is another guy that makes a lot of flashy passes, makes some good reads. What are your guys' thoughts on Chris Weber? Do
1: <clears throat> you want to start with him,
0: Owen?
2: Yeah, um, he is one of my favorite passers that we're going to be talking about. That doesn't mean he's the greatest, but... His passing, uh, like Sabonis, there, there was a whole lot of flair to it. Um, and it, it seemed to make sense in terms of connecting with his scoring game, that he would leverage his scoring and use his passing to kind of create an advantage. Um, he's always talked about as one of the the greatest passers of all time, or just big man passers of all time, especially when he was playing. Um, and he does deserve that regard, but once again like when looking at his teammate vladi divats it it's pretty apparent that his skill level was just a step or two below um and compared to some of these bigger uh the passes that we've talked about already um <sighs> Weber moved a little better. I was going to say his his movement passing, his transition passing is is better than some of these other bigs because, I mean, he has the speed, he has the athleticism that makes sense with it. But he didn't quite make the reads that these other guys were doing. He's down more in the like Horace Grant tier, but just with higher volume and obviously scoring backs with that. You know, Brad Doherty.
1: And well, his flashiness, like okay, so here's another guy. Okay, we didn't, we haven't brought this guy up yet. He's kind of a, but he, it's similar to Weber, maybe tiny bit smaller, but like
2: uh, Antoine Walker. Yep, yep, that that is that's a very good comparison.
0: I actually, yeah, I I I, you know, just kind of started watching the Kings, uh, <clears throat> Maverick series from 2004, um, and uh, man, uh Antoine Walker surprised me because he's got that, you know, um, label as a chucker, which <laughs> he is, but his reads were actually really, really good. He made a lot of great passes. His skip passing, especially was what like, I really liked. He was, he was making cross court passes to uh, Michael Finley or Josh Howard or any of one of those guys, Marcus Daniels. Uh, they, it, it, it was mind boggling to me because I really never watched Antoine Walker before and by everything I heard, you know, oh he's a chucker, he's a negative offensively. I don't think he is. I think he's he's his passing is really, really good.
2: Yeah, that that is probably his best trait. And he would use his scoring to leverage those passes, but I mean his scoring like you would feel better just having him jack up one of those deep threes just out of nowhere.
1: Yeah, I wasn't afraid
2: of those. Weber, um, you know,
0: <laughs> the Kings were very ahead of their time. Uh Rick Adelman um was uh a pretty modern esque coach. Um he uh just the way the ball moved um between Weber and Vlade and Doug Christie and you know, he had a you know, a modern spacer and Peja Stojakovic, and Bibby was a good, you know, kind of like an off ball type point guard. Um that whole team could pretty much pass I mean Pesha even was a pretty good passer he didn't really have to um but uh yeah I mean Weber's Weber was somebody that I thought I was gonna end up having high on my list and I ended up not because of watching some of these other guys I just think they're a little bit better um but Weber was making some pretty incredible passes during his time he was especially um flashy um but it also was effective at times he was he would throw like a behind the back pass to a cutter cutting baseline and just would it was incredible um so yeah i i was kind of disappointed i guess to say the least because i thought i was going to have him higher cuz i love chris webber you know he's a kings legend but um there the guys like sabonis and um Vlade and walton are just a lot better to me.
2: And to be clear, I, I love Weber's passing. I, I really do. It, it, it's great. I, I love him as a passer. I love him as a creator. Um, but again, when watching him basically next to his own teammate who is also a big, it, it's it, it becomes a bit more cloudy.
0: Yeah, that's, that's, that's fair. So I,
2: I, I may have him over Walton. I'm not gonna lie.
0: Oh, okay. Alright, that's a spicy take um, to have this this early. I
2: already have D votes over Sabonis. So Might as
1: well just go on.
0: So we should probably stop here. Um, or we'll run we, short on time. Really quick. Um, can, I, we
1: will... can I tell you how 2K has this batch or some of these guys here that we talked about?
0: Very, very quickly. Yeah, yeah go for it. Alright,
1: that's fine. Okay, Great. so uh hops on, on out of the batch we just talked about who do you think is number one? Uh I'm going to say Sabonis. I thought you would say that. I thought you would think that. Um,
0: Ian? I was
1: going to say Weber. (laughs) Ah, interesting. Okay. Uh, It's actually Uh, Vladi. He comes in at an 85. So if you'll remember, Wes Unsold was an 87. Walton was an 85. So Vladi comes in the same as uh, Walton. Uh, Sabonis is an 84 right beneath, uh, which actually I I have no uh, qualms about that. Um Weber next on the list at 77. Ish. Then we've got Sh Darty, 73. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Shaq is 30, that high. Hmm? I believe that is accurate. Um Shaq is at 70. Jeez.
2: Okay. And D-Rob, take a guess. Sixty-four. No. <laughs>
0: uh fifty.
2: Yeah, you nailed it!
1: 50! Really? Crazy.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah, they got him way down there. So, I, I think yeah, they're probably that's wrong That's kind of crazy. Yeah.
0: Anybody, uh, any Any other, um, did they put in, uh, did they put in my boys Hot plate and Oliver Miller? Uh, no, those
2: guys are not part of the game. Oh yeah, we forgot to mention that. Why didn't you talk about, I also feel we didn't really talk about Shackle. We just said, oh yeah, he was a really good passer, and then that's it.
0: Well, we'll oh, we'll we'll get into Shaq. We're going to we're going to get into more of the 90s passers next episode. We we're just running short on time here and I don't want that. Uh, well, we're going to talk about uh, Larry Bird. No. He,
2: he's, Anyways. He, Larry Bird's in 2 I see, that makes sense. That's... He should definitely be number 1 out of all these guys. Yeah, I agree.
0: <laughs> Anyways, uh I appreciate you guys joining me. Uh, hopefully we can uh, Get this uh the next few episodes out in a orderly manner we've been busy lately but uh i appreciate you guys coming on again uh we talked about some of the guys who are actually probably going to have pretty high up on our list but uh until next time uh peace <laughs>